Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Take a look at how badly they've done in the past, and maybe a new method would be very good. Now, with all of that being said, maybe a very powerful attack. We've never had a military as strong as our military right now because of what we've done. And when I first came into this position, our military was in very, very depleted, sad shape. But I will tell you, guys like Bolton and others uh, wanted to go into Iraq, uh, and that didn't work out too well, all right? That didn't work out too well. That was a horrible idea. It's very fluid. A lot of things can happen. Rough things and not such rough things. And by the way, very, very easy to go in. One phone call, we go in. And it doesn't have to be today. It can be tomorrow. And it can be in two weeks from now. I was looking over the preface to a book I wrote a year, a couple of years ago, called Trump's War. It became number one on the New York Times list without any publicity that you would know of, because I'm uh, the media's enemy number one. I don't exist. The Stalinists on both sides of the aisle consider me a non-person. And the book became number one because of you, the audience. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not here to sell you a book. A paperback edition came out about six months ago where I did a review of Trump's war, okay, and try to analyze how he had done. I want to read you a paragraph. May I do that? I wrote, we have many major battles ahead. If the Democrats are successful in gaining a majority in the House this November, that was November uh, of last year, they will they will vote for impeachment even without a single Republican vote. Then they'll reverse every one of Trump's policy gains. We must be prepared for the fight of our lives. Despite all the president's achievements, the media will take every opportunity to rally our enemies and even confuse Trump supporters into thinking his presidency is failing. And while no single fake news story will defeat us, the cumulative effect of media hysteria against Trump may prove to be fatal. Was I wrong or was I right? It's pretty sickening, by the way, when you see what that vermin Schiff is doing. Now, I mentioned him the other day. I said, where is that idiot? All of a sudden, he comes up with another fake story. That Can you imagine the president spoke to a world leader without asking Schiff about it? Without getting permission from Schiff in advance whether he can speak to a world leader? Have you ever seen anything like this? So I was trying to think about this in regard to Obama. When Obama, the untouchable, was president, we thought he was scandal-free, right? Was Obama scandal-free? No, he was media-free. Yes, he was media-free. Obama was media high. All of those who are trying to fry Trump look the other way no matter what that corrupt Democrat did. You know, the man who was born in, uh, I think, Honolulu or went to school in Indonesia in a Muslim school in Madrasas. There were many, many scandals. Operation Fast and Furious, IRS abuses, Benghazi, hacking, Veterans Affairs, many others. I can name them. But you forgot them all. Because all of the great denizens of the truth, the media, uh, have forgotten them as well. But now we're facing something entirely new. And Iran, to me, is the biggest story of the day. And the question is, should we go to war with Iran? Should we go to war with Iran? What short of war with Iran can we do? What short of war with Iran can we do? What could the president do? What could this country do? Tell me. 
So I ran under the mullahs. The Iranian people are suffering terribly, by the way. They once had a very advanced society. Could you believe it? Women were allowed to drive. Can you imagine how advanced they were? Women were allowed, to, were allowed to walk around in Iran without veils over their faces. Can you imagine? And now they have to walk around like fourth century animals under those throwback degenerate mullahs. Those ninth century throwbacks took over Persia and destroyed it. Not one word from the vermin in the media. And they're threatening all-out war. Well, what does all-out war mean from Iran? What do they have that they could threaten us with? What does it actually mean? The president uh, will do what he thinks is best. And I will not say who I said it to, but when I was asked this question by someone somewhere, something was said by me to this someone somewhere. And what I said to this someone somewhere was, the mark of the best swordsman is he who does not pull his sword. No one had ever heard that before because they're not used to philosophy. They're used to rhetoric. They're used to politics. They're used to sound bites. They're not used to philosophy. But I, the secret agent man, said to this unknown person in this unknown place, the mark of the best swordsman is he who does not pull his sword. There's really no rush to pull the sword in Iran, is there? Their economy is crumbling because of the uh, policies that have been put in place by the administration to crush them. They've been in trouble a very long time because, as you well know, religious fanatics can't run a nation. They're all corrupt behind the scenes. The Most of them are degenerates. They put on the turban and they, they give you the mumbo-jumbo with the religious mumbo-jumbo. Meanwhile, they fly off to London with the hookers, most of them. They throw the turban in the trunk. You actually believe that garbage? Unbelievable to me. So I'm asking you, should we go to war with Iran? Trump says there are many options short of war with Iran uh, now that we know that they attack Saudi Arabia. Now, my answer is quite simple, and I think it makes sense. Saudi Arabia, the last I checked, spends $75, million, $75 billion a year on, on uh, defense, and most of the weaponry is state-of-the-art, top-of-the-art uh, food chain comes from us. They could go to war with Iran, couldn't they? So could Israel. Why can't Israel and Saudi Arabia finally do their own bidding? Why must Eddie send his son to die in a, in a war that has nothing to do with us? Tell me why. What do we need from Iran? What do they export? Halavar? What do we get from Iran that we need? A face veil? I don't know what they even export. Nothing. All right, so they have a lot of oil that they inherited in their ground. Big deal. We don't need it. We export our own oil. Europe needs their oil. Europe gets their oil coming through pipelines. Why not Norway, Sweden, Denmark? They all have one or two airplanes, the last I checked. Maybe three or four. France has a couple of airplanes. Uh, UK has some airplanes that men who can fly them. I think even the Italians have an airplane or two. I'm not so sure. But you add them all up, they have a squadron of jets that they probably bought from us that can be used to do what needs to be done with Iran. Well, what are they bothering us for? You understand that? <clears throat> so I'm asking you a question. Should we go to war with Iran? My answer is no. But what would you do short of war? And don't call me and say, oh, let Israel and Saudi Arabia do it. I usually get that. They, they feed back to me what I just said. But I think you should think about it first. We're also going to talk about Obama's many scandals. How come they were never reported? Can you name any that I didn't mention? And also today, Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren. All of a sudden, this nutcase from the universities, this man-hater, this man-hater, this mean-faced man-hater is attracting crowds of mean-faced man-haters 
and men without you-know-whats. I'm asking you this. Elizabeth Warren, is she a threat to Trump? Do you think she could beat him? What is she proposing? What are, what are her policies? Well, I've actually got them here in my hand for you. You'll find out what sins she is pr- proposing for America. You're not going to believe any of this. But I'm open to calls on these and any other topic here on the Savage Nation, including topics I may or may not have mentioned, including topics I've already talked about. I know most of you are still excited about the uh, visit I had to Air Force One. It's something I will never forget as long as I live, obviously, because as I said yesterday, I believe, I'm back, by the way, from Los Angeles. It's all one dizzying trip. There are certain things that that occur in your life that you never forget. The birth of a child, falling in love and getting married, that comes before the birth of a child, by the way. There are a few days in your life that you'll remember. Falling in love, getting married, having children, your parents dying, maybe your siblings dying. These are the days you never forget, right? But then there are other days in your professional life that come up into the constellation of great stars in your astronomy. And uh, Tuesday was one of the great stars in the astronomy of this man, Michael Savage, in my memory. And that is because I was invited by the president to join him at two fundraisers. And I met some of the greatest people I've ever met in my life. There are so few people like them where I live that you start to wonder what the world is all about. You start to think maybe you're alone. And then you go to one of these fundraisers and you meet people, everyday people, great people. And you see the love for the president, the love for the savage nation. One of the hosts at one of the events, a beautiful home in the hills above Palo Alto. We'll leave it at that. A very important man. I gave him a copy of Trump's War, and I said, can I ascribe it for you? He said, sure. I said, what should I say? He said, from one patriot to another. How do you like that one? That's all he said. Then I talked about the hot dogs. Now, why am I telling you about the hot dogs? To be comedic? What am I trying to be, a comedian here? Do you know that you can judge a person by the small things? not by the big things. It's the small things that tell you who a person is. Do you understand that? The small things. You can see a man's character through many, in many ways. We all look for the big things, but look at the small things. I doubt very much that Obama would have shared a hot dog with anyone uh, in the presidential uh, sky suite that they have up there, the Oval Office in the sky. I doubt Obama would have eaten a hot dog. Probably would have had a tofu dog, which explains why he was as emaciated as he was. Probably grabbed a cigarette or two up there that no one will talk about. And that's how you tell who a person is, the little things, not the big things. Big things are easy to judge. It's the small things. Every artist knows that it's the details that matter about a subject. Am I right about that? Any artists out there? Many, many people can paint a body, a face, clothing, a background. They can't. They cannot paint hands. They cannot paint toes. They can't paint hands and feet. My father taught me that when I was a little boy in his little store. He had a lot of statues uh, in there that I used to clean up for him, that I've told you about. Statues of men, statues of women. And he said to me, Michael, you see this statue? Look very carefully. I was a little kid, seven, eight years old. He said, the hardest thing to do is to sculpt hands, fingers, and feet and toes. And it's true. You look at sculptures. It's the little things that tell you about the big things, which is why I'm here at the Savage Nation. If you want to talk about the little and big things on the Savage Nation, any topic is fair game. I am the not-so-secret agent of America's patriots, the Savage Nation. 
Phone number is 855-400-7282. We will be back in a moment. Savage. I understand since uh, my show of yesterday, uh, the stores in the Bay Area have run out of hot dogs because of the power of suggestion. I apologize uh, for that if you can't get your favorite hot dog. But getting back to the serious business of the day, should we go to war with Iran? What are Obama's scandals that the media ignored? Who is Elizabeth Warren? What radical policies is she proposing? Is Elizabeth Warren a real threat to Trump? You would think so. I don't think so. And I've said it to any, everyone who asked me. They say, well, do you think? I said, no. She's a mean woman, number one. You can see it all over. She's got a meanness written about her. Meanness. If you were to be doing a movie about the Bider Monhoff gang in Germany in the 1960s, you know, the Red Brigade types, those who put bombs in policemen's cars, you know the type, the Stasi, the East German Stasi. Or let's say you were casting someone and you needed the head of the, uh, a woman head of the uh, Stasi. German secret police in East Germany would be her, Elizabeth Warren. Natural, born, born for the part. She said, what does it have to do with anything? Because I'll tell you something, women can read women. And women don't like women in general, whether you know it or not. I mean, you may not know it. I know things you don't know. That's why I'm here and you're there listening. And I'm telling you, most women don't trust women and they can read her. And most women are not going to vote for her. Oh, yes, the pink-hatted lunatics, yes. The idiots might. I don't think she's a threat, by the way. But what do you think? Ray in Virginia, line one. Go ahead, please. Yes, sir. Ray, yeah, Ray, Ray, go ahead, please. Okay, next. You know, I get calls. The call screen is sitting there. He sees I'm stumbling, and he's on the phone with another caller. California, Joan, line four. Welcome to the Savage Nation. What's on your mind? Yes, it was a thrill to be at the luncheon for President Trump. And he spoke for almost an hour and never missed a beat. He was so positive, supportive of his staff, supporting of the audience. And uh, I just, I met you and I said I would listen to you with my grandson and I appreciate you can tell both sides and tell things quite fairly. And I appreciate that, especially dealing with a teenager. But I wanted to tell you, the Trump luncheon was such a contrast to yesterday when the teenage activists of, for climate change were... I don't, I don't even want to talk about her. She's a, what we call a, a burp in the wind. Let, let's forget her. I know you listened to Rush Limbaugh and he made her important, but that's because his uh, sorter is broken. And he doesn't know that you don't take what you oppose and make it into something bigger. And then wonder why it's bigger. I mean, that, you know, this is something that the people don't understand in the media, the geniuses. They sit and complain and moan and bitch about what the other side is doing and glorifying their positions by doing them and saying they shouldn't be doing them. Why talk about them? I don't. Some idiot they brought over from Sweden. Suddenly she's an expert. Okay, I tell you what, you put her in front of me now that you triggered me. Take a moron like that, a 16-year-old idiot. And she's telling me about climate change and the world's coming to an end. First thing I say to her is, excuse me, before you go on, explain to me what science courses you have completed. Well, 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 no, I, I didn't ask you what newspapers you read. Name the science courses you've completed. What are your, what's your background in mathematics? What's your background in, in uh, statistics? What's your background in physical science? What's your background in uh, biological sciences? Okay, you don't have any, fine. Let's use common sense. 
Can you tell me something about the uh, ice core data of uh, those who have drilled in the Antarctic down five miles into the depths of Antarctica? Well, what does it have to do with now, she would say. Well, what it has to do with now is that's how you look at what went on in the past. It's called the history of the atmospheric sciences or the history of uh, what went on in weather or temperature. Look up the Vostok ice core samples, which I wrote about in Trump's war a while ago. V-O-S-T-O-K. I'm sure you could find it, sweetheart, in between your going on YouTube or in between surfing Instagram. Spend about five minutes reading about the Vostok ice core samples before you open up your pretty mouth. And you will find out things that even the ignorant around you should be ashamed for having brainwashed you, sweetheart. Savage. Suddenly, Elizabeth Warren is the leader of the uh, pack of communists on the other side. As I said, if you were in the movie business, put aside your politics and tell me if I'm wrong. If you were seeking to cast the head of the Stasi in um, the 60s or a woman in the Biden-Monhoff gang, could you find anyone better than her? Do you understand what she looks like to the average person? And what does she stand for? She wants to get rid of immigration and customs enforcement. So what does she want? More drugs flowing into America and more illegals? You betcha. She wants to decriminalize border crossings, means she wants open borders. You want open borders? Uh, on climate change, so-called, and the environment, so-called. 100% zero carbon new buildings by 2028. What does that mean? Tell me what that means. Tell, does anyone know what that actually means? A tax on carbon as a way to cut out emissions. Let's see, would she then tax a mosquito? Because the basis of all living form is carbon as the core chain of every molecule. What is she going to tax a mosquito and a fly? On abortion. Do you know that this moron believes that men have the right to abortions as well as women? Can anyone explain that to me? How can a man get pregnant? Well, in Massachusetts, I guess they can. But where I grew up, I, a man could not get pregnant. Perhaps in San Francisco they can get pregnant or in L.A., what else does she support? Transgender individuals' rights. They need more rights than they already have. What more rights do they need? Including the right for prisoners to receive gender reassignment surgery. You, you should pay to have Paul have his Schmendrick coat off to be turned into Mary. So that means if Mary wants to be a man, you should have to pay for, to put a Schmendrick on Mary? That's what we should be doing with prisoners? She says so, yes. She wants to forgive $50,000 in student loan debt. How is that possible? She wants to ban rifles. A marijuana reform bill, you're not going to believe this one. She wants to renegotiate NAFTA and make it better for Mexico and Canada and worse for us. Now, how could she know anything about jobs when she's never held a job other than being a college teacher and now a, a campaigner? She wants all troops withdrawn from Afghanistan. She wants all troops out of Syria and Iraq. And yet, when Trump withdrew the troops, she attacked him for that. She opposed Trump's withdrawal from the Iran nuclear deal. So like Obama and the corrupt Democrats who sent Iran $175 billion, which came out of nowhere, I guess she wants to send the Iranian mullahs even more money to uh, persecute their people even further. She hates Israel, as all Biden-Monhoffians do. 
Elizabeth Warren hates Israel as all Biden-Manhafians do. She loves the Palestinians. And if you have any money out there, pay close attention. You know, I meet rich people who are so stupid, they're suicidal. You want to hear this, stupid, suicidal rich people? She wants to impose a wealth tax on the 75,000 richest American families. Now, you do understand that if you have money in the bank or money in investments, you pay taxes on it first, maybe 10 times. She wants to tax whatever money you put in the bank if you're a wealthy person. She wants to loosen ID requirements to vote. Did you hear this? She wants same-day and automatic voter registration. I guess that would mean anyone in Mexico or Iran can vote in our elections. She wants to make Election Day a national holiday. She wants early voting expanded. She wants loosened ID requirements. So in other words, she wants everything that would destroy America as you know it. Needless to say, I'm not voting for her. Let's take some calls. California, Chris, line one. Go ahead, please. Hey there, Michael Savage. I uh, met you at the event on Tuesday. Um, you probably would remember me as the, the gentleman, the younger gentleman that went to you and asked what car you drove and if Teddy was there. I don't. Hello? I said I don't remember it, no. No, you don't. Oh, well, anyhow, I, I wanted to make the point that no one's going to make, I don't think, uh, unless they have stats from that uh, secret event. Um, that I was surrounded by women at my table and we were in California, you know, the land of, you would think feminists, but it's, it's not quite true. I mean, I had, um, four women directly around me and they were all kind of in their forties to seventies and I'm in my thirties. And I just want to kind of reiterate the point that like, if Trump has that many, many women at his events, you know, that it's almost like a fifty percentile. What? Well, I don't think you can you can gauge how right. many women will vote in, in a general election by how many come to a paid event. But the bigger point is is that there are many women who support Trump. I think is the point you're making, right, Chris? Thank you for saying hello. And no, I'm sorry, I don't recall the conversation about the car uh, that you asked. I really don't, honestly. Let's go to Massachusetts, Bob Line Eight. What's your call about? Go ahead, please. Congratulations for getting on that plane, man. I, I, I envy you. Hey, uh, I'm a Trumper all the way. I want to be king. But I, I say two things. One about Iran, one about Warren. Iran, I think they're trying to sucker us into an attack there. It's going to unify the country. Like we were unified after 9-11, it would be a big mistake for us. Oh, in other words, if we bombed Iran, suddenly the people who hate these religious fanatics, who are keeping them in, in an Islamic prison, they would suddenly be on, on their side. Correct. It's a way of getting the people on their side. Two, I think Bernie Warren beats Trump this in, in uh, 2020. If they come together, be, and I say that this way because... Half the country in 2016 voted for Hillary. And there's more of those crazies out there in 2020 than there are us. We're old school. We're dying off. You know, only it's going to take a miracle. I hope a miracle that he wins. But I think Bernie, Warren, come together. She's VP. He does his four years. She does eight years after him. Well, you have a nightmare scenario, which I hope is not uh, realized by America, because it would, there wouldn't be an America left with open borders 
and the uh, taxation schemes they have. You know that Warren and uh, Bernie have never held a job in their lives? Now, are you aware that they've never, ever worked anywhere? They don't work? I'm aware of that because of you. They don't work. Bernie never held a job in his life. He's been a lifetime BS artist. He's a windbag. But you see, the, the problem is, is that millions and millions of Americans identify with losers. And they resent those who are winners. They resent those who have something. It's an old story of envy and, and um, jealousy that goes back to biblical times. Man is inherently envious of his neighbor. It's been written about from the Bible on to now. Why do you think one of the Ten Commandments is thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife? Because men like Bernie Sanders, if you take a look at his wife, do I have to finish the, the sentence? Do you ever see Mrs. Bernie Sanders? The Bible was written because they knew one day Bernie Sanders' wife would come along. When it said, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, they knew Bernie would look somewhere else. But putting aside the uh, Catskillian humor here, the fact is, is that there's a lot of losers out there, and there's a tremendous amount of resentment in every society. And when you marshal that resentment and that jealousy, people want to see those who have something fall. They want to see those who are happy sad. They want to see those who have things not have them. They want to see the um, healthy become sick. You don't know this. They'd like to tear everything down and destroy it because they think somehow they're going to benefit from it. What they don't know is that the happy, successful people are those who have created this society. Despite the crap you're hearing about slavery having built America, one of the greatest lies in, in the history of the world, it's the wealthy who have created America. It's wealth that creates America. It's the wealthy who create the businesses that others work for. But if you're not taught this, you don't know this. Instead, you think that the wealthy stole it from you. And if only there was someone fair in the White House, you'd get some of those rewards. Suddenly, your pimples would go away. Suddenly, your stature would change. It wouldn't. Let me go back to... Uh, a story I've told before, it's a shorty, not a longie. I was in college, went to a liberal college. They were all liberal colleges even then, by and large. I went to Queens College of the City University of New York because we didn't have the money for me to go to some called private college. So I had to go to a city college. I didn't want to go. I wanted to go to some Ivy League college or some place where there was ivy on the walls and girls who wore sweaters and walked around looking like uh, Betty and Veronica in the comic books I grew up with. You know, like that kind of thing. But no, I had a schlep by bus. I didn't even have a car. And I went to the college. So all most of the professors, little did I know, were ex-communists who were given salvation here in America as immigrants. I didn't know that either. And the first thing to do when they got here was stab America in the heart by poisoning the minds of the young. Oh, yeah, it's been going on a long time. They were saved from Nazi Germany, a lot of these people. They were brought over here, and the first thing to do was profess communism and teach socialism, communism. I didn't even know I was being brainwashed. So I gathered together with the family on holidays, you know, whether it was a religious holiday or a wedding, who knows, and you talk with the people about different things. And here I was, the bright young college student being brainwashed at Queens College by the commies and didn't know it. And we'd argue about things because I had intelligent relatives. They were not college educated, but they were real smart. They lived through life and they knew things, so... I had an uncle who I really loved. I loved all my uncles, missed them all. 
And uh, I used to argue with them, and I'll never forget this argument to this day. I was arguing about, I think, I didn't even know what we called it. That it should be income should be more fair. There shouldn't be rich. People who are rich should be taxed because they have too much money. I didn't know anything. So he looked at me with a smile. He didn't get mad. And he said, Michael, let me explain something that I found out in my life. He said, if this entire system were overthrown and communism were to arrive, the very same people would rise up on the top and be running the country anyway. I didn't understand what he was talking about, but I sure do now. I'll be back in a minute. I hope you do. Savage. No, I actually think it's a sign of strength. We have the strongest military in the world now, and uh, I think it's a great sign of strength. It's very easy to attack, uh, but if you ask Lindsay, ask him, how did going into the Middle East, how did that work out? And how did going into Iraq work out? So uh, we have a disagreement on that, and uh, you know, there's plenty of time to do some dastardly things. It's very easy to start. And we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I think we have a lot of good capital. If we have to do something, we'll do it without hesitation. So what's wrong with that? Now what? All of a sudden the Democrats want us to bomb Iran because Trump said we shouldn't? I mean, tell me what's wrong with being cautious and treading the middle ground. Is anyone listening to this show who thinks we should be bombing Iran other than talk show hosts who are dying on air? Anybody else want us to go to war except those who can't even get out of a... Uh, a broadcast chair without help? Who else wants to go to war other than warmongers in the media? I don't know. The president's taking the middle course. He's giving diplomacy a chance. What did von Clausewitz write? What did von Clausewitz write? Do you know who he even is? War is not the first uh, resort. It's the last resort. It's when diplomacy fails. Diplomacy has not yet failed completely. Now, the Iranian people are the prisoners here. They've been prisoners of the Iranian, the Mullah revolution caused by uh, Ayatollah Khomeini, which I will remind you, it's an important story for you to know. During the years that the Shah of Iran was running Iran, there was a secret police that we heard about day and night from the vermin in the media, how evil they were. Well, who were the Shah's secret police doing these terrible things to? Why, the very same people who are now running Iran. The dictators, the religious dictators, they were making certain that fundamentalist Muslims did not arise in that great nation of Iran. They liked being a modern nation. They liked women could drive. They liked women could walk around without veils over their faces. They liked that women could hold jobs. And the Shah represented modern Iran. Jimmy Carter undermined the Shah of Iran Jimmy Carter is the one who permitted Ayatollah Khomeini to come back from exile in London. Jimmy Carter, a Democrat, is the one who permitted this religious dictatorship to arise in Iran. If you want to know some history, I'm sorry to waste your time with it because I know it went over like deaf ears. The Westwood One Podcast Network. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. 
And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. And here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Well, I make a very serious statement about defending our country. I'm making a very serious statement that we don't want war. We don't want to engage in a military confrontation. We believe that a military confrontation based on deception is awful. We'll have a lot of casualties, but we won't blink to defend our territory. Hmm. Isn't that the same uh, foreign minister who admitted that Iran attacked Saudi Arabia through their proxy Houthi rebels or Houthi rebels in uh, Yemen? I, same man, isn't it? Well, we're talking about that. Because Iran and the war drums for Iran are being beaten. And uh, I can tell you right now, looking backwards, that Bolton was fired because he wanted to go to war probably two weeks ago, three weeks ago, four weeks ago. Every time he got up in the morning, he probably sneezed fire away. And he was probably confronting the president over and over again every day, yelling at him. He's a, he's a militant little guy. In fact, he used to work for uh, Bush. That's how he bamboozled Bush into going into war in Iraq, by lying to him about weapons of mass destruction. I try to warn the president not to hire Bolton, by the way. Do you know I'm on record for that? I'll say it again. I mean, I don't think it's a secret. I said it before in the show, so I can repeat it. When I had that ice cream thing with the president, right after he was elected, I was at Mar-a-Lago, invited me over, we sat down, he asked other people to leave. We ate some ice cream. and he, There was Bolton in the background, circling the buffet. He was not yet in the administration. He was on the outs. Just another, you know, ex-government official trying to come in from the cold. And he couldn't even get near the meatballs. He couldn't get near the Swedish meatballs. He couldn't even eat the leftovers of the staff. They kept him on the perimeter. I'm surprised they even let him into Mar-a-Lago. Then I wake up and I, I said to him, watch out for that guy. He's the one who got us into Iraq with the false lie about, rather the, rather the lie about weapons of mass destruction. The next thing I know, there he is. Who talked the president into hiring him? I will tell you, I know who, who talked him into it, but I don't have to mention the name. Who talked the president to hiring that warmonger? You don't have to guess. It's the very same people who are on radio and television saying Bolton's a great guy and that we should go to war with Iran. Now, most of them couldn't pick up a, uh, what do you call that, which you put a rock in it, a slingshot. Their hands would tremble. They don't have the physical strength to hold a slingshot, but they want you to go bomb Iran. They want your sons to go die on an attack in Iran. It's easy to do <coughs> when you're on the radio and you can hardly breathe to tell someone else's son to die. Now, what about Trudeau's brownface scandal? That's a whole separate story. You know, the liberal guy who runs Canada, brownface picture scandal is deepening as new images emerged of him painting his face brown. What would happen if a brownface a, a picture appeared of Trump at the New York Military Academy? Tell me what would happen. Whoa, my God. Can you imagine the outcry and screams? Well, it's kind of a small story to Wolf Blitzer. See, one man's brown face is not another man's brown face scandal. That's how that works. I was in the, on the trips. I talked to a guy I know down there. He's African-American. I didn't even know his politics. I've known him for many years, but we've actually never talked politics. Never. He drives a car once in a while for me, takes me to the airport, he's taking me to Southwest. What a, what a bring down that was going from Air Force One to Southwest Two. Wow, was that a horror. The meanest stewardess I ever met in my life. Do you ever get a mean stewardess on Southwest Airlines that should have been working in a prison somewhere, in a women's prison? I had one. 
I sit down and I put my, my suit bag and my briefcase. You're allowed two pieces, right, in my overhead bin? So the animals come on after me. The cattle car animals come on. And some guy was coughing. I don't know where he was from. He takes some big stupid bag and puts it over my suit. I said, hey, I screamed out. I did. I yelled, don't crush my suit. You got an empty plane. She jumps up and she says, who are you? She said, the baggage compartment police. She said, why don't you move if you don't like him crushing your suit? I knew if I said one more word, they would have had me taped to the seat. So I looked at her. I said, you're right. Whatever you say, you're right. You know what I'm saying? I had one of those. From Air Force One to that, that was some come down. But I got to tell you this. It's lucky I grew up poor with nothing because I'm used to having nothing if I have to have nothing. As I said before, if I have to ride a donkey, I can ride a donkey. If I have to ride in a limousine, how many times have I said to you, I know how to sit in a limousine? All the way up and down the chain, it's good to have flexibility in this world because tomorrow we don't know what may bring. We do not know what tomorrow may bring, especially with the communists on the move here in this country. I want to say something here that uh, will have to be spoken about in a letter in a rather obtuse manner. At one of the fundraisers, I met a gentleman who said to me, actually said, well, he said to me, his children said to him, Dad, why do you have to be so prominently supportive of Trump? We have to go to college. We're going to be picked on. And then the man said, well, guys, at some point you have to stand up for what you believe in. He said, however, I will tell you this, Michael, we're going to be doing a lot of DoorDash deliveries and avoiding restaurants for the next three months. You understand what this country has come down to, that the radical vermin on the left think they have the, the, uh, the, the, the right to attack you in a restaurant, verbally or physically assault you? What they don't understand is that you can attack back when attacked. They don't understand that a violence runs two ways. They don't understand that. They think it's a one-way street. They think they get to throw the things, and you get to take it. They get to threaten you, and you run out of a restaurant. They don't understand they may be forced to run out of the restaurant. They don't understand it's a two-way street. And it goes all the way back to the founding of America, when only 30% of the people in this country wanted to fight the British. You're that 30%. Did you know 30% like the British? They like being colonized by the British. Did you know 30% didn't know what they felt? They didn't care. But only about one-third of the citizens of America said it was right to take up arms and fight the British. One-third. And right now, if we're only one-third, we're still one-third. And we don't have to roll over to the vermin. And remember that you have all the power you need. You live in a free country. You do not live in Iran. The mullahs of the left do not run this country. The Jake Tappers and the Wolf Blitzers and uh, Don Lemons and those types, they're the mullahs, the mullahs, the religious zealots of communism. But the mullahs don't run this country. They're entitled to their opinion, just as I am, but they have no right to incite violence. They have no right to lie day and night about this nation, as they do, and it makes my blood boil. It just makes me so furious as an immigrant son to hear what they say about this country. And it's such a lie the things they say, and then to be racist as they are, to talk about things like white privilege, which is an invention of the radical left. Right now, there's minority privilege in this country. Did you know that? Go and try to get a job in a police department and tell me if there's white privilege or minority privilege. You'll see that uh, there's minority privilege. There is no white privilege, but that's how the left does it. They always twist everything. But let's get back to the business at hand. Iran is the issue today. 
The war drums are being beaten. Trump fired uh, Mustachio, the walrus, because the walrus wanted war. Trump does not want war. I've told you that a hundred times. Trump's capable of war, but he has many options short of war. And also, how many different ways do I have to tell you? He is a businessman, not a politician. And businessmen know that war is bad for business unless you're a military contractor and your wife is in the Senate. Then war is good. Normally, it's bad. If you're a military contractor who makes bulletproof vests that are not bulletproof for the troops and uh, your wife sits on a certain committee that steers contracts to you, uh, then, of course, war is very good. You get into the vest-making business. doesn't matter if troops die. It's like uh, the, the play done in the 50s. I think it was called All My Sons. Great, great play. I don't know if you know about that. I think it was Edgar G. Robinson. No one even knows who he is anymore, but it was a great play. I, um, yeah, who wrote it? Uh, Marilyn Monroe's husband, Arthur Miller. All My Sons. Great, great movie. What was it about? It was about a man who manufactures parts for uh, airplane engines that are going to be part of our military, our Air Force, to fight in the war. And he speeds up production to keep up with production, and he manufactures defective uh, cylinder parts, and a plane crashes on which one of his son is flying. And it's the other son played by Burt Lancaster who says to the father, how can you do this? How can you do this, Dad? Have you no conscience? Well, unfortunately, no such man exists in San Francisco, where if they could, they'd make uh, engines that didn't even run and sell them to the military. They're the ones, you see, who would benefit from it. But I'm getting a little far afield right now. We don't have to go to war. If we have to, we will. But there are many options, as the president said, short of war. Why must we attack? Bolton's gone. Yes, it's the ultimate option. You have to be cautious. You have to tread the middle line. You have to be zen about this. We have sanctions that are working. And there are other punitive economic measures that will be coming out in the next probably 24 hours. And Iran will understand that they're not as powerful as they would like to believe they are. There were 25 drones and missiles used in the attacks that uh, blew up half of Saudi Arabia's oil, oil pumping capacity. They say the Iranians did it. And the Iranians deny they did it. And uh, do the Saudis do the Saudis want us to go to war for them? You betcha. They'd like us to do it again. They'd like us to be their Hessian army. And I say, no, let them do it. The Saudis have a wonderful uh, air force. They have $75 billion a year spent on the military. They could take it on with Israel. Why shouldn't they? Can anyone explain to me why Israel and Saudi Arabia, some of the smartest people on the planet, why don't they take care of this? Why are we going to have to do this? And then the issue of Warren, is she a threat? Yes or no? We know her radical policies. I read them to you in the last hour. If you missed them, it'll be on my podcast today. Before we move on to that, there's another topic, which is Obama's many scandals. But because of the propagandists in the media, you don't know about Obama's scandals, do you? Now, when Obama retired, he said he had no scandals. Listen to clip 11 of the liar, Obama. You got to hear this one. I changed those things that were in direct, my direct control. I mean, look, I'm proud of the fact that with two weeks to go, we're probably the first administration in modern history that hasn't had a major scandal in the White House. In You're that a liar. sense, Wait a minute, changed you lied about everything. Liar, liar. He had many scandals, but the vermin in the media wouldn't cover any of them. Now, if Trump sneezes, they claim he shot down an airplane with people on it in 1952. Uh, that's what they claim. 
We have a montage of the media rendering his verdict on Obama being zero, uh, having no scandals. Listen to the shameful nature of this. He is governed with such honesty and integrity, and only leaving with that 60% we keep talking, but a growing reputation. And the legacy of having eight scandal-free years is going to look larger and larger in history. We watched the departing president, a 55-year-old two-term president, leave an office scandal-free. They didn't have a big scandal. In eight years, it's very rare. Class. Very classy family. I mean, he did so many things. Classy family. And he did it all. And there's not a bit of scandal. His family's completely perfect. I mean, this is the first president to be leaving office since Eisenhower without a significant, uh, significant scandal dogging him, um, either from one of, uh, from either one of his two terms. The Barack Obama image, and of course, no scandals. Mm -hmm. He's been scandal-free, frankly, in the White House. We haven't had that for a while. He's popular not just with Democrats. He's popular with a lot of conservatives, just for the way that he comported himself. No personal scandals. Uh, And if you do that and lead by example. Uh, you know, in the end, you're going to be scandal-free, or, or, or at least you will not be tarnished by many scandals. There was no scandal. And it comes from the top. Not a single, not a single member of the administration indicted in eight years. It's a, it's a remarkable, <coughs> remarkable record. Um, but this is a president who's gone out with no personal scandal. No one in his administration He's indicted. In the media, who should all be punished, by the way, for lying about Obama having no scandals and now lying about President Trump having nothing but scandals. It's a sickening system that we live in that these mullahs of the media, write that down before it's stolen by someone, these mullahs of the media and their liberal mullahs of the media can act with such impunity when they're dispelling such lies is astonishing to me. And, of course, it goes to the top. Comcast owns a lot of this. They should be, you know, the president has a lot of power over these big companies. He ought to start asserting it. Who is the parent company of MSNBC? Who's the parent company of CNN? The president has the power to call in the CEO of that parent company and punish them economically in the ways he can for what the puppets are doing. I'll be back in a minute to take your call. Savage. Well, here we are down to earth together on the Savage Nation. Um, the media is the problem. They are the mullahs of the media, as I call them, and they're as fanatical as the mullahs who are uh, imprisoning the people in Iran right now. And many American people are as imprisoned as you can imagine by the lies and the propaganda that is around the clock. These very same vermin in the media who told us there that Obama had eight years of no scandals are now telling us that Trump has not had eight minutes of no scandals. Uh, both are untrue. Both are untrue. So the question is, what, a th- what is a threat of Warren? What does it really pose? Louise in New York, line seven, go ahead, please. Is Warren a threat in your mind? It's an honor to speak to you. My point about Warren is uh, my fear when Hillary Clinton was running for president in 2016, I ran into several women and I asked who they were voting for. And they were voting for Hillary. And when I asked why, they had no accountability. It was just because she was a woman. Right. Yes. Many women think with their um, many women think with their um, our bodies, ourselves mentality. Let's be very polite about it. Exactly. So I just wanted to make that comment that if she does get to 
be the candidate, I would be concerned about that because of the women's view. Well, so that brings up another question. What woman should Trump pick to be his running mate? No one's even raised that issue. You're right. I mean, should it be Pence, two white men? Nothing wrong with the two white men. But if you want to be intelligent politically, maybe he should counter the woman vote with a woman. I don't know. I happen to like Pence enormously. But what woman do you think, Louise, would be a good vice presidential running mate for Trump? Do you have any pop out of your mind? Nikki Haley? I'm not a fan of Nikki Haley. I wouldn't. I mean, I know people like her. I don't. To me, she's another uh, one from Alaska. The same type. I never was a Sarah Palin supporter, and I don't think Nikki Haley is the right one. But here's a nightmare scenario. What if the ticket was Warren Hillary Clinton? What if it was a Warren Clinton ticket? What would happen then? It's over. Game over. Do you know that? The Westwood One Podcast Network. <laughs>